Welcome to In the Making. I'm your host, Selena Luca, and this is uh, the episode that we're going to do on hospitality. And so today I have Lydia Lo Young, who is a good friend of mine. Um, she works with Power to Change as well, part time and then part time with Grace Toronto doing women's discipleship stuff. Um, that's exactly how she told me to say it with the stuff and everything. Um, and we have Sam Aubrey, who is uh, joining us from the UK, which is so fun. And he is a pastor and a speaker. I've read many of his books. I've actually followed him around and heard him speak many times. Sam, I'm sorry that you did not know that before <laughs> as well. Um, but yes, one of my favorite books is um, Seven Myths About Singleness, which is a part of why we invited you um, to join us on this podcast to talk more about hospitality, because um, we really saw that theme in that book. And um, you have a new book out called What God Has to Say About Our Bodies, which Lydia has. I do not have it yet. I am hoping to get it really soon, because um, we do think that's such an important topic. But thanks for joining, both of you. Welcome. Hopefully, thanks this is a us. hospitable atmosphere. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Um, it's weird to like try to create a hospitable atmosphere, uh, on a zoom call, but I think it's hopefully possible. Um, so you're doing a good job, Selena. The welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the encouragement. Um, so we're talking about hospitality today. Uh, how would you define hospitality and why is it important? Um, I, I think I would, I would say hospitality is, is opening up your life and your heart to other people. Um, particularly to people you don't know, to strangers. Um, and it, it matters because that's something we're called to do if we're Christians. Um, it's something we're designed for as human beings. And it gets, it actually, it's something that very much displays the gospel because the gospel is hospitality. Um, we were far from God, Ephesians 2 says, far away, um, largely oblivious to him. And he he drew us to himself, opened up his family to us, included us in his household and, and even seats us at his table. So when we do that for others, we're, we're actually enacting on a much, much smaller scale something of the gospel. So it's um, it's not incidental. What do you think, Lydia? Oh, well, you said everything I would like to say. I think, um, Selena, when I was discussing this with you beforehand in Romans 15, 7, um, welcome others as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. And so I think hospitality is just welcoming people into our lives. When uh, Peter Peter talks about it as well, I think in uh, his first letter, and he, he adds to that command without grumbling, which uh, mm -hmm. I, I find challenging. I actually, I enjoy hospitality most of the time. But the fact that Peter says without grumbling means it's not something we're meant to sort of do through gritted teeth and, you know, actually we're, we're to do it sincerely. We're to want to do it. Um, and if we don't want to do it, we're meant to want to want to do it. <laughs> so um, it, it's not just a, if, you, if you're doing it in a way that you're just sort of doing it as an obligation, as a chore, but your heart's not in it, then it isn't actually hospitality anymore. It's, it's something different. Mm -hmm. I think um, when I think of that, Sam, as you were talking, I'm just thinking about how um, a few years ago we started doing open invites after church hmm. to our house for lunch and anyone could come. And the first week that we did it, uh, I was so excited and then so disappointed when no one I knew, none of our friends um, that we had just met, we had just started going to this church, um, none of our friends could make it. And so everyone who was coming they were all people who I didn't know. And I had a really bad attitude about it. Um, mm. Just feeling pretty introverted and feeling so disappointed. And then, you know what? It was a great time. I think God really showed me um, that it wasn't just hospitality. isn't just about spending time with our friends or people yeah. that we know, um, but it's making our lives available um, for all and making our homes available for all. I think one of the things that helps me also is seeing what hospitality isn't. Um, and certainly where I've come from in Southern England, um, hospitality is often mistaken for entertaining. And there's a culture of, you know, having people around for an impressive looking meal and you'll spend the day making the house look beautiful and that kind of stuff. That's entertaining. That's a, that's a thing that goes on in 
the culture where I am certainly, that's not hospitality. Um, that is, that's actually a counterfeit because that kind of entertaining isn't really letting people into your life. It's it's letting them into a kind of Instagram version of your life and not the real version of your life. So I was around at someone's house yesterday, a family I know happy around for dinner, and they were sort of apologize. They 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 have a very geriatric rabbit who has lost bowel control, and so there are these little. <laughs> droppings all over the living room floor and they were like mortified and embarrassed that this was the case that you know and I said hey don't worry about it I said it's actually I'm here to see the real you guys and not the kind of presentable version of you guys and if in the life of the real you guys there's rabbit droppings everywhere on the floor that's fine I came to see you I didn't come to see a sort of of a photoshopped version of you and I actually think it's a it's I it's a quite a compliment when someone lets you into their imperfections so if someone has me round and the house is they haven't just been haven't been able to tidy up or what they've cooked is a bit of a catastrophe it actually endears me to them all the more because it's like okay you're actually trusting me with with the things that you you find imperfect in your own in your own lives um and I try and be like that to to others as well and not sort of worry if things aren't perfect or if the meal isn't amazing. Um, it's it's the relationship and the people that matter the most. Mm-hmm. It is, that a big, like... is that a big thing in your culture too, the sort of entertaining thing? Oh, yeah, would, definitely, yeah. definitely. Sorry, Selena, you can go for it. No, no, you go ahead. Um, yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think it's a very westernized view of hospitality like a cult it's the cultural view right like you clean up before people come over um you never go over unannounced like you always text or call before going over um and you're right it's very much an entertaining you know put on your perfect outfit erase all signs of life in your house there's no no mess your children don't exist um, if you have children. Um, and what it actually does, I feel, it, is that it really isolates people who are single, uh, people who don't have um, their own home to entertain in. Um, yeah, and so it's a very isolating thing for a lot of people. Like, what do you do if you don't have the finances to host a big meal every time? What do you do if you don't have a nice house with all the mm. fine china um, to serve? And, um, yeah, I think it also, for students at least, it means that hospitality is something that starts later in life. Um, cultural hospitality is something that starts, can only start later. You know, when you're done school, when you have the money, when you have the kind of North American dream with the nice car and the two and a half kids. Um, and it's just not a sustainable model, um, and not biblical either, I don't think. It really isn't because it's it actually, it becomes performative, uh, which means, you know, you're, you're almost throwing down the gauntlet of saying, you know, this is, this is how we do it around here. Um, and, you know, top this kind of thing. I remember going around, I moved house several years ago and a family from the church invited me to their homes. First time I met them, but they served me like a five-course meal, and I remember thinking, "Okay, I'd love to get to know you guys, but I'm I'm not going to compete with this. You've just kind of done a form of hospitality. Maybe that's just normal in their in their family that that's every meal is five courses, and you know, all that kind of thing. Um, there was more silverware on the table than I quite knew what to do with." But I remember thinking, actually, that they were meaning to be friendly and they were friendly and I appreciated it, but it, it had the unwitting effect of actually intimidating me because it was basically saying to me, I'm, I'm never going to be able to have these people around if this is what having someone around means to them. Um, so the, the performative temptation to show off actually undermines hospitality because it, it then prevents other people from feeling they can let people into their lives. So it actually goes against what the Bible wants us to do with hospitality. And one of the great things about the biblical view of hospitality is you don't need a home to be hospitable. 
Uh, you don't need an income. You don't need to be a great cook. Um, because hospitality is is fundamentally opening up your your heart and your life, you can do that even if your entire accommodation is one very small bedroom in a in a hall of residence or something, because you can still find ways to do life with with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I definitely agree with these thoughts, and I'm I'm thankful to have you both talk about these things because I think sometimes when we think about hospitality, we think of the things that we do. Um, and we are thinking about entertaining and, um, caring for other people in a particular way of letting them into our homes, but not necessarily even letting them into our lives. And I think that's both a a point that you both touched upon is the aspect of being vulnerable with people and making space within ourselves of letting people deeply in to see who we really are without the facade and the mask. But it's easy to think of hospitality as actually putting the mask up. Um, and in some ways, like spiritual, like hospitality is a spiritual gift that God gives people, but I don't know, not everybody might have excel in that gift that we should all exercise it. But I wonder how much, um, hospitality is actually a state of, of being, of being a person who is vulnerable, safe, loving, uh, generous, uh, providing for others in tangible and emotional ways. Um, do you guys have thoughts on that? I know I just threw that out there. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you. I think it's uh, it is it's the it's the posture of our heart towards other people, um, which is why it's it's very, like I said, it's liberating because it's not dependent on your your worldly resources. Um, you can be a very very hospitable person and have a very fruitful way of being hospitable even if you have very little in terms of income or resources or you know physical place to bring people into because it's it's letting people into your life um and given much of life takes place in the home it's it's natural that hospitality will involve the home but you know i remember talking with friends in in new york city about hospitality and they were saying new york city manhattan apartments you know if I was to have someone else in my apartment, I'd have to go and stand out in the hallway so that there was room for them to actually come into the apartment. So they don't do hospitality largely in the home. They do it outside the home because the homes are too small really to have more than two people in. So they'll, you know, hang out in the coffee shop. They'll hang out in the park. Um, I One of the sort of, in one sense, most trivial forms of hospitality I remember uh, receiving recently was I've, I've been in the process of, of moving to Nashville. I've not made it yet, which is why I'm still in the UK. But I remember um, as I was getting to know the place and getting to know the church, I was catching up with a guy who I was sort of becoming good friends with. Uh, one Saturday morning, we just sort of got together to grab a coffee and things. And uh, he said, I've got to head off now. I've got a few errands to run and things to do. I said, oh, what's what's on the agenda? He said, actually, I really need to go and get my hair cut. And I was thinking, oh, actually, I need to get my hair cut too. Where do you go? Where's a good place around here? So he said, well, why don't, we, why don't you come with me? I'll hop in the car. We'll go there together. And so we we kind of went to this barber together. We both had to sit and wait for a bit. And, and then it kind of became this weird thing where for the next year or so pre-pandemic, we would, we would very often go and get our hair cut together. Um, it sort of became a sort of really stupid, trivial, silly tradition. But it was a it was a sort of a thing of, oh, we had a haircut together. Let's go and get a haircut together again. And it's amazing how in those unglamorous, you know, low-key, almost banal areas of life, I find that is where real life happens. And so for me, that the most meaningful times of contact often aren't the really special occasion where everyone's making some kind of fuss, but precisely in those kind of just the dumb things of life being shared with other people. Um, I know some uh, folks where I am here in the UK, there's a um, a group of, of women who get together to do their ironing. Uh, they all have ironing that has to be done every week. So they were like, someone had the idea, why don't we just all get together and do our ironing together? And they, it's it's kind of become a thing. And <laughs> um, it's turned what would have been a, a couple of hours of simply doing a, a, a menial chore into 
a time of catching up. Of I'm sure they minister to each other in all kinds of ways in the midst of of doing all of that. But it, it, it's that kind of stuff. It's thinking, what are the things I'm already doing in my life? And is there a way I can involve someone else in that? Um, mm. Even if it's a fairly silly thing. I've got a friend who lives around the corner from me here who has a dog. So he walks his dog first thing every morning. So I'll often say to him, hey, hit me up when you're taking your dog out. I'm going to be around tomorrow morning. We'd love to join you. And I'll just go and walk the dog with him. Um, but it's amazing how much real life happens in those dumb moments. Um, somebody once said that life is the sum of trivialities. And it's often in those little trivial things that you find that's that's where the, the real sort of meaning uh, comes up in a relationship. I'd, I'd much rather that than the let's go out for some kind of really, you know, fancy evening together once in every six months. I'd rather do something dumb regularly than something super special very infrequently. Does that make any sense? Oh, for sure. I love doing dumb things regularly. So I feel like that really speaks to me. Um, even as I think about like the people who have shown me hospitality, like I invited Lydia here because um, she's, she's somebody and her family is somebody who has shown great hospitality to me. Her husband um, essentially forced me to learn how to ride a bike. Um, and you know, he was like, I taught my kids, I can teach you. And so, um, I felt like that was a way of showing hospitality to me. And even I had a roommate at one point who had got COVID, um, at the height of the season and I had nowhere to go and they took me in, uh, for a few weeks. And, um, I just remember like Lydia being like, oh, don't let my kids bother you. But I actually like really loved it when her kids were, <laughs> you know, watching me exercise and watching me live the, like and do my dumb, dumb day to day things that I have to do to survive. Um, and I think that feels a lot like family and that that is that that mm -hmm. meshing of, of life, uh, living life together. Lydia, do, you had some thoughts. You're shaking your head. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think when I think about hospitality and my life, I would very much like my life to be like a meadow, a safe place for people to land. And for my family, not just to be the biological family that God has given, but also the people that God has given around me, that they would have just as much of a place in my life and that it would be open and I think that oftentimes when we think of hospitality, it's what we offer to other people. But I think it's in those dumb moments where we realize, oh, I am broken and I'm a sinner and not just a sinner, but that I'm in need um, and I need help. And I think a part of hospitality is actually accepting help mm. from others and allowing people into those messy bits of our life. Um, you know, I think of there was a time when we went to NW Selena uh, with Sam and the kids and Sam and I were squabbling. This isn't me, Sam, right? To Just think. to clarify to, to leaders. Oh, sorry. The kids, <laughs> wasn't me. Sorry, Just yes. In case gets the wrong the world, end of the stick. <laughs> <laughs> My husband, Sam. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And we were squabbling and it was so difficult to let someone else see, see that mess because we always want to look functional. But I think as humans, we are very dysfunctional. And, you know, even preparing for this, um, our time together, um, it's a bit nerve wracking to think, wow, I'm talking with Sam Albury, author of uh, many books. And then I was just sitting here thinking, you know, Sam Albury is dysfunctional too. <laughs> like we are all dysfunctional and a part it's of hospitality is allowing, yeah. <laughs> is allowing people into our dysfunction and allowing them to see that um, and seeing how Christ meets us in our dysfunction, that he still loves us just as sweetly. Um, yeah, and I think that's and a it's, big part it's of a, hospitality. It's a two-way blessing, then, isn't it? Because if you're letting someone into your dysfunction, your imperfection, um, and they come into that space and they don't freak out, they don't reject you, they don't judge you or condemn you, you you feel known at a deeper level. Um, it actually the friendship feels all the richer for that. Um, but also, as the person on the other end of that, being going into someone else's dysfunction. Again, I, I feel as though, wow, these guys really trust me. Um, I, I love that they're not kind of, I remember going around to someone's house once and it was obvious in the moment I walked in the door, 
that they were mid-massive argument. And I was thinking, oh, I can feel the tension. You could you could physically slice it with a knife and, and package it up. And I was thinking, I wonder if they're just going to press pause on that until things are done and then they'll resume once I leave. And they just carried on while I was there. But again, I part of me felt part of me felt honoured by that. Um, they, they, again, they weren't letting me into a sort of edited version of their reality. They were letting me into their actual reality, and that showed trust to me. It's like we're, we're trusting you with 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 this part of our married life, which again, as a single person, that also helped me because again, if if we're only ever on our best behaviour when visitors are around, then it's very easy for single people to have overly romanticized views of what marriage is like whereas actually mm-hmm. when married couples let you into the you know some of the dysfunction some of the tension uh some of the imperfection it just gives us as single people looking in a more rounded realistic view of married life we're not only seeing the the upsides we're seeing some of the sort of the challenges that that come along as well I, I totally agree. I was thinking the same thing of how thankful I am to see all my friends who are married fight because it helps me with uh, knowing that it's not so great on the other side. There's like issues on both sides. Singleness can be hard at times and being married is also difficult at times. Um, so yeah. I do appreciate that. Thank you for fighting in front of me, Lydia. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Happens often. Selena's coming around. Let's find something um, to argue about because that'll, that'll bless her. <laughs> I guess I mean, a lot of people listening to this are, well, are university students, right? Yeah. So uh, that that is a unique time of life to do hospitality because it, it's such an easy time of life to be doing life with other people. You almost don't have to arrange it. It's just there. Um, so it's it's that sense of being in, in one another's actual reality. Um, again, you don't have the resources of your own large home or your own, you know, nice bone china and silverware and all the rest of it you may not have land to bring other people onto um but actually you can you can do so much hospitality just by doing life with other people and and whether that's studying together revising together um doing chores together um eating together whatever it might be shopping together um another buddy and and me i don't really enjoy clothes shopping I happened to, to to go with a friend of mine once and we, we, we went clothes shopping and I suddenly realized it was really fun when I did it with him. So I'm like, anytime I need to go and shop for clothes now, I, I phone him up and say, hey, do you want to go to the mall? And uh, it suddenly becomes enjoyable rather than a, a kind of hassle. So I think this time at university can be a unique opportunity, particularly if you're living on campus, um, to do life with other people in a way that requires very little effort. And then the, the challenge is when you graduate out of university and it's not all just there on a plate for you anymore, it is making sure you you don't drift out of doing that real life together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think another, um, I don't know if tip is the right word, but some advice for university students would be to actually do life with people from a myriad of backgrounds and ages. I think oftentimes it's very easy to get set in a life stage. So university students stick together, you know, young moms stick together, uh, singles stick together. And I think that there's so much value in doing life together as a huge family where, you know, my husband, he loves reading in the backyard with our neighbor, Hal, who is in his 50s very different life stage, older kids, and yet they are connecting over something mutual and just doing, you know, life together, sitting by the fire. And I think that's something that helped, would have helped me as a university mm. student to kind of transition from that time to actually be plugged into um, other families. And I'm not just saying biological families, but to be plugged in with other people who are in different stages. Um, than me. I think that's true. You know, even from that wisdom, um, or even when you hang out with little kids and you see just the life that they have and the way that they see God and the way they see our world, um, it can be very, I'm not a kid person at all, even though I have kids, but it can be very life-giving. And so that different stage, um, just, yeah, having friends in different stages is a wonderful thing. That's a really good word. As it happens, 
some of my closest friends are different generations to me, um, partly because in my 30s and, and, and early 40s, most of my peers were, were just crazy busy with marriages, mortgages, kids, and just were never around. And so the people who tended to be more available were either <clears throat> people a bit younger who hadn't yet got married or had, didn't yet have kids, or people who were sort of empty nesters and older. And I do have some good friends who were, who were peers of mine, but some of my deepest friendships are, are with people 20 years older than me and 20, pe- 20 years younger than me because we just, we just have more time to hang out. And that, but that's been, again, it just gives you more of a sense of family because my friend who's in his 70s is, is not just my, my buddy and my Christian brother. He's also a father figure to me. Um, in the faith. And similarly, the one who is 20 years younger than me, um, you know, he's, he, he, this may sound really bizarre, but he sent me a note on Father's Day to thank me for setting him an example of, of, of an older Christian. And that was incredibly meaningful to me. Um, he, he wasn't doing it in a, ha ha, you're old, I'm going to, you know, that kind of thing. It was, he was saying, actually, your friendship is a, is one of the ways in which God is showing me, um, you know, giving me some spiritual fatherhood. Um, those were just unintended blessings that I, I didn't even know I was wanting in life, but wouldn't have come about were it not for the fact that I've I've looked outside my own peer group and demographic, as well as within it for for for, for deep friendship. But it, it's when we all get together. It's lovely because we've got an age range of about 60 years um, between, you know, the, the gang of us. And it's just really sweet. It's really sweet. It would be hard to imagine that outside the context of, you know, the, the shared faith we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, it is a really beautiful picture of um, what hospitality can look like in this life, but even a picture of what hospitality will look like in in the new kingdom, mm. um, in the new heavens and earth. And so I feel like um, to start practicing now seems good to me. Um, yeah. what, one of the questions that I do want to kind of go into is just how you've experienced the hospitality of God um, in your life and um, ways that you've uh, grown as you've experienced hospitality, both in receiving and giving of it. Hmm. I think for me, and this is this has only been in more recent years that I've I've really had this on my radar and, and thought about it. But the hospitality of the Lord is that He He lets us in, and it in such a way that it it's now safe for Him to know the worst things about us. And so it's not that I'm constantly in and out of you know God's presence from the point of view of his his love for me that kind of thing i can be drifting i can not be walking with him for sure um but it's not as if there's any up and down on his end um and and grace really does mean that let's say i i i sin in a really stupid thoughtless kind of way at the very moment i thought oh man that was that was wrong it's it's safe to come before the Lord. I don't have to do a timeout. I don't have to sit on the naughty step. I don't have to wait the day. Um, I don't have to do some good things first. I can just come to Him in that very moment and go. I'm I'm ashamed I did that, and I I I know that this is is paid for by the blood of Jesus, and that I can come before Him and find grace. So that 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 is biblical hospital. I mean, that is divine hospitality. Um, I'm I'm always welcome. Um, and the more I've dwelt on that, I, I, I hope it's making that more and more the posture of my heart to, to other people. Um, in the last several months or so, I've, uh, part of my transition to, to living in the States is I've sort of been setting up a bit of a home there and it's a larger home than I've, I've lived in before. And there's lots of space for people to come around and hang out. Um, people will come and work there during the day if they need some peace and quiet. Um, people will often come and stay. And I've realized how much I love that, having just um, 
people under my roof and people to cook for in the evening. And it's brought out something in me that I didn't know was there. Um, a friend of mine said, it turns out you're a mother hen. And there's there's something of that. Um, sort of love having people I can sort of gather under my wings and, and provide for, help, um, feed, um, show hospitality to. Um, but I think it's because I've become more conscious of how I've received that through the Lord something in me now wants to be providing a very low-key version of that to other people. How about you, Lydia? I think that a few years ago, um, my husband and I and our family, we went through a really rough season and it forced me to reconcile with some trauma that I experienced in childhood. And through that experience, I realized that the hospitality of God allowed me to be angry at him and with mm. him, and that he was a very safe place um, to grieve and also just to express my anger and frustration. I think so often um, in evangelical Christianity, being angry at God and asking questions um, to him and of him is something that we should repress and hold back. Um, and yet I found in him a very safe, you know, that meadow picture that I mentioned earlier, he was a very safe meadow, a safe mm -hmm. place to land in. And when I think of that, I think that similar to you, Sam, I think he's changed my view of hospitality and my home because it's no longer a place where, I feel like I have to clean up the toys before people come over and I have to clean up my mess before yeah. people come over. Um, yeah, just the grace that he's shown me in being able to be messy and um, to just be, yeah, just to, to feel actually to emote um, has changed the way that I view my home and what I what space I want it to be mm. for the kids. You know, when they grow up, I don't want them to think, oh, mom always made us clean up before people come over. I hate having people over. Yeah. But rather, I just want them to be able to be who God created them to be. And I think that's a part of experiencing his grace and his His hospitality yeah. in my I love life. That. I think one of the things that happens is as we begin to appreciate grace on deeper and deeper levels, it, I hope... I trust makes us more approachable, uh, makes us more more safe. Um, because the more secure we mm -hmm. feel in the Lord, actually, the more open we can be with other people. Um, if I know I have security with Him, then it it's less of a risk to open up who I really am to other people. Um, which then I hope will make me a safer person for them to, you know, introduce their mess to. Um, so it, it can actually have a sort of nice paying it forward kind of, you know, effect. And and hopefully, you know, when, when that kind of spirit then starts to go viral in a church, it can, it can have a profound impact because people will then be relating at a much deeper level to one another and there'll be richness of community that will start to gain the attention of people outside the church. So... What we're talking about is is no small thing. Um, I often say to people at my own church, and the language can be metaphorical as well as literal, that you know don't don't underestimate what you can do for the kingdom of God around your kitchen table. That that may be a more consequential piece of wood for eternity than the pulpit, because of the life and the the healing, the listening, the weeping the providing the feeding all the things that can be going on in that kind of in that kind of context the caveat being you don't have to have a physical kitchen table if you don't you know have a, all that kind of thing but um the, the principle being that you, as you let people in in that way honestly the the impact of that can be astonishing mm -hmm. and in my experience that that often precedes people coming to church as well but um, I find it, as people, it, it's often hospitality that then becomes the means by which people might then start coming to church as well. So I think it, it, it can have that kind of blessing too.
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about when it comes to hospitality, actually, there's there's two things, so I'm going to try and like separate them in my mind. <laughs> they might come out as two different questions. But one is um, when I think about the hospitality that God offers and the welcome that he offers is that it actually came at a cost to him. Like um, uh, that Romans 15, 7 verse where it says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. I always think about how his welcome actually cost him. Um, mm. it, it cost him his life. Like it, it wasn't a, um, as like maybe flowery or fluffy kind of thing. It, it was a very costly form of hospitality. And, um, and so what is the connection maybe between sacrifice um, cost and hospitality? Because I think sometimes um I've seen people like exhibit, you know, quote unquote hospitality, like, oh, come over to my house. But it's really just because that's the easiest option mm. or they don't want to spend money um, and go outside or um, they've kind of erased it from being something sacrificial and loving to being something that's comfortable and easy um, and having people engage with them on their terms versus really loving people in ways in which others desire to be loved. What are your, what are, I don't even know where my question was in that, but like sacrifice and hospitality, is there a connection? Is there always a cost? Is there not a cost? Yeah. I mean, as an introvert, I think that there is a huge cost into welcoming people into my life. I think my own proclivity is to be alone and you know, stay at home by myself, kind of recharging endlessly. And so I think inviting people into my life, uh, a large cost is saying, you know, I, I am not the end goal. Like me and myself and everything about me is not the end, the end goal. Um, and so like Christ is the end goal. And so sometimes that does mean spending time recharging. And sometimes it actually means people are over and I say, you guys stay here, have so much fun, you know, chat with the kids, do your thing, enjoy my space, but I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to spend some time alone. And that's okay because I'm not hosting you. I'm not entertaining. Um, but other times it's actually saying, you know what, I'm going to take a step of faith today. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like reaching out. I don't feel like making myself accessible. But I know that there's family waiting for me, um, waiting to meet with me and waiting to know me. And so I think that for me, at least, the sacrifice is often fighting the temptation just to be a recluse, just alone in my home. Hmm. That's not all the sacrifice, but it's, for me, it's a large part of it. I love that. And, you know, it, we we factor our personality type into how we do hospitality and but we don't constrain what we ought to be doing simply around our own preferences. I think that's a really good way of putting it, Lydia. Um, mm. I don't think it's real hospitality if there isn't a cost at some level. Um, mm. It may be joyful and enjoyable and, and all the rest of it, but there is there is an inherent cost to hospitality. If we're doing it the way Jesus did, as you, as you point out, Celine, Jesus welcomed us at the cost of his own life. That was how he welcomed us. And it's not going to be like that for us, um, I hope. Um, but th th there will be cost, whether it's not just the financial cost of the food bills and, and all the rest of it. But there's the, like Lydia said, sometimes that you may think, okay, I'm not in the mood for this, but actually I need to do this now. And so therefore I'm going to do it even though I'm tired or I could do with my own space. I, I sense I just need to have this person round. Um, there may be the cost to, you know, being vulnerable is is itself risky and costly. Sometimes people will uh, misuse that that openness, or they won't reciprocate, or they'll judge us a bit for it, um, and we don't see them again, or whatever it might be. That can hurt. Um, but it's it's the kind of you know, Jesus says, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. There's a, there's always a sense in, in the Christian life where as we give of ourselves, perhaps in a way we weren't really in the mood to, 
we actually find God is giving us life through the process of doing it. And the number of times I've had people around because it's prearranged, but actually in the run up to it, I'm like, I'm really not in the mood. I wish we hadn't arranged this. I'm too tired. I'm not in the mood for company. Um, I need some me time. And yet, in you know, halfway through people being around, I'll be like, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad we did this because this has been We've had some really meaningful conversations and actually it's ministered to me in ways I didn't know it would or that I didn't know I needed it. So that's humbling and, and a reminder I'm I'm often uh, not a very good judge of what I really do need in terms of those sorts of things. Hmm. Yeah, I think as well, Selena, on a practical note, I know you and I have talked about this because I often say, I'm not going to clean up for you. If you come over, <laughs> you have to step over the toys, you have to see my life and there is a lot of life in our house sometimes um but i know we've also talked about how for some other people maybe the flip side of being a safe place is actually doing a bit of tidying before people come over so that it is a safe place so that you know germs aren't running wild and so i think that sacrifice looks different for different people as well it's not a one-sized fits all like you must clean your house before people come over or you must not um, it's a very much uh, what's going on in my heart and so for me in my heart I know that there's a desire to hide all the dirt um, just to hide you know to hide my sin not that being dirty is sinful but like to hide my sin is um, and the the dirt in my house is a bit metaphorical for that um, but I think for others maybe there is an idea where loving people means sacrificing in a different way. It means cleaning up so that people can enjoy the space. And um, yeah, and so I think that there's different, and there's different seasons too, but just it's not a one size fits all kind of sacrifice. Mm. It, it looks so different for different people because he's made us all different. Yeah, before COVID hit, I used to be incredibly messy and um, there was no space for human beings to be in my room. And a part of me was like semi-okay with that. Like I was like, oh, like I didn't mind if women came in my room. I didn't really want men there because there were toys and they would always play with the toys. And I mostly didn't want them to play with the toys. <laughs> but, um, but Like your foosball table. <laughs> like, well, yeah, that was in the living room before though. But um, <laughs> now it's my desk. <laughs> And so, um, but I think there was an aspect of, you know, for my, to love my roommates, I needed to actually clean, um, to love other people I needed to clean. And, um, and even like the more I stayed in my disgusting room during COVID, I was like, wow, I need to clean this for myself. <laughs> um, but I was thinking about this and I do think it's fine. Like I, I, uh, of asking people to come and to help you clean as well both like the spiritual stuff in our lives when, when things are really hard we ask we should be able to ask other people to to enter into our lives and to help us um and physically um i have definitely done that i wanted to babysit a pig once and my my roommate told me i could only do it if i clean my room and so i actually got friends to come and help me clean my room um, and then my roommate still said, no, you can't babysit this pig. <laughs> and the pig died is the end of the story. Um, and so I blame my roommate for not letting me babysit that pig. But that's a whole other situation <laughs> that has nothing to do with hospitality. <laughs> I think we could figure out some sort of tie there, connection. But for the sake of time, we won't go there. Um, uh, during these COVID times, what are ways that you think people can be showing hospitality where maybe there's possibilities of future lockdowns and things like that? What what practical ways do you think people can be doing that? I think there are still ways of, of relating meaningfully, even when there are restrictions. I mean, if you can still physically meet up with people, then that's obviously a, a key thing to be doing. Um, if you're only allowed sort of, you know, I know when we were in lockdown in the UK, it was you were allowed out for exercise. Um, you can meet up with someone else outside, provided you're two meters apart or whatever it is. But that that's still, you know, I can walk with someone for an hour under those circumstances and have a really good time with them. Um, but more than that, there's there's we're blessed with so many means of of keeping in touch with one another that 
just little text messages, you know, during lockdown, almost daily between me and two or three other particularly good friends. Even if it was just, hey, how's your day going? Just to to know someone's thinking of you makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. And something else uh, me and a couple of friends have done is if if I know I'm going to be spending the afternoon at my desk doing some work and he's going to be spending the afternoon at his desk doing doing work and we can't get together, we'll just have FaceTime on in the back, in the background. So we're, we're kind of working, but we're also sort of hanging out as well. And we'll sort of look up and chat about whatever it is we're doing and the kind of thing you would do if you were physically across the table with someone. It's not the same, but it's it, it certainly was nice to have that sort of in quotes company as well at times i think going grocery shopping together is a really easy thing to do we all need to eat we all need toilet paper to wipe our butts (laughs) so um, going to get to to get groceries together is a really easy way to do life Mm. together to see people um yeah where you can be in especially in canada where it gets so cold um, you can be indoors and yet with a friend, um, just doing life together and doing dumb stuff together as well. That's a great idea. My my final question is, um, what are some things that you want students to take away from this episode? I think that hospitality isn't something for in the future, that it's not something that happens later on in life when you have all of your crap together but that hospitality is just about opening our lives to people. Um, and so that can start right now. And I, I would add to that, that the it's a, it's a spiritual discipline to be honest with other people. But if you, if you, if you can start getting into the habit as a student of being real about where you're at and how life is going and letting people into that reality, um, Firstly, you will make some amazingly rich friendships even at this stage of life. Um, You may make some friends that become lifelong, but also you will be blessing your future self because the the earlier we get into those those patterns of honesty, actually, man, that that is such a blessing to be able to have those kinds of, of relationships. So get get cracking at it now don't waste any years hiding behind the mask of i've got everything together and i'm fine yeah i really love both of those things and i feel like those are definitely practical things that people can be thinking through and be practicing now in their life so thank you so much for um being on here with me today um my room is clean now, so feel free to come <laughs> anytime. Um, you know, I can drop by. I have billions of plants and I do have fun toys. I've got a mini trampoline and foosball table. <laughs> Students listening to this can also drop by. I actually, the reason I didn't want to get rid of my foosball table is because I wanted students to have something to play with. I, mm. I don't actually know how to use it. <laughs> it is not for me. Um, it is for others to have a reason to come and to enjoy my home. And so um, I, I think just even the practical advice of allowing people into our lives more than just the physical home is so good, especially in these times. So thank you for sharing those things. Thanks for your time. Thanks. Thank you for having us. At the end of every episode, we like to give you a few questions to just ponder, to think about, to pray about, to take before the Lord. So let's do that now. How have you experienced the hospitality of Christ? Is there a time where you were treated with great hospitality or ways that you weren't, but you wish you were? What was that time like for you?
What does it look like for you to practice hospitality? What is preventing you from being hospitable to others? Thank you for joining today's podcast. I hope that you did feel the welcome of God through this conversation. May you know his presence as he goes with you. And may you embody what it means to be hospitable to others, offering that welcome 